So what do you call a runner who runs 100 or 200 miles at a time? Todd. You're listening to Braving Bad Bosses with Jeff DeWolf and Todd Chandler, where we discuss how to survive a bad boss and not be one. All right, welcome back to season three of Braving Bad Bosses. As you know, we've been talking about a new topic this season, and it's called Breaking the Cycle of Bad Bossing. And We've been working through this. As you know, um, I've been doing this solo, unfortunately, for the last uh, several episodes because my partner in crime, Todd Chandler, has stepped away to focus on some interesting goals that he has and some interesting things he's working on in his life. And so super excited to have him joining us today. Hey, Todd. Hey, Jeff. Awesome to have you back. I did miss you. (laughs) I did miss you. And we um, we are in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. And so we are isolating from each other. We are um, doing this remotely. So this is unusual for us because we're usually enjoying a pint or doing something, right? Yeah, yeah. Today, we're going to do a bonus episode because, um, as you know, we've been working through the contents of the book Leaders Lead and looking at those chapters is just a way to um, kind of focus in on the behaviors and the mindsets of real life leadership. But the bonus episode is that I want to talk to Todd today specifically about this concept of leading oneself. And we maybe mentioned that from time to time, that even if you don't have direct reports or you have no one depending on you, you're still leading. You still lead. And and we we say when a person, you know, when you talk about a person, you say, look at the kind of life that person leads, right? You're still leading your own life. If nothing else, you lead your future self, I like to say. It's like. You know, yeah. if you think of it that way, that you're always making decisions that affect someone, even if it's just you. Right. So, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but Todd, it's great to have you back. Um, I know, I mean, the listeners have missed you. They've had to listen to me drone on by myself for way too long. How have you, how have you been? Tell us what's been going on. Tell us, tell us a little bit about this 200 mile craziness that I've been talking about that you've been working on. Yeah. Well, first off, I just want to say thanks for when you gave that introduction, you said he's made some interesting uh, choices and some interesting <laughs> goals, um, because most people say when they hear what it is, they say that's just crazy. So um, I have uh, addicted to running might be uh, a little bit of an understatement, but I have really loved learning what I can do with my body, and and in particular seeing some other ultra runners who have been able to push beyond that marathon distance. And so I've had the opportunity to work with some incredible people and run 50 milers, 100 Ks, 100 milers. And really at that point said I wanted to try new territory and that was to try to do a 200 miler. And uh, that would add sleep into the mixture of trying to sleep at some point. And so I've been training pretty aggressively for the last four months trying to get ready for the Potawatomi 200, which would be in Pekin, Illinois. And uh, it was scheduled for April 2nd. Yeah, I gotta interrupt you though, because I'm, I'm I'm still I can't get out of my head what it what it looks like to actually run and sleep at the same time. I mean, how do you is someone oh, carrying yeah. you while you? How does that work? <laughs> you run and oh. then you sleep and then you get up and you run some more. Yeah. Oh, okay. That seems a little bit like cheating. I think so. This is this is why the further distance <laughs> was better for me than some of the shorter distances because I'm not real fast. But I am like, uh, like my superpower is napping. I can lay down and take a 10 minute nap and I'd be up and ready to go again. That's an interesting super. I don't know if Marvel's going to be kind of lining up at the door to make a movie about that, but it's pretty, be, that, pretty impressive. Yeah. 
Uh, oh no, it's the snoozer. Oh no, he's gonna be <laughs> snoozer. It's a great name for it. Big S or big no, big big Z. I'm not sure how you fight crime by sleeping, but man, I'm good at it. On, on the chest, like Z's, the, the snoozer. Yeah, <laughs> fights crime by by instantly falling asleep. Uh, maybe, I could, maybe I could make other people fall asleep uh, with some of my boring stories, and then they would <laughs> then I, then we could arrest them. I, all right, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. All right, so go back back to it. So this was going to be in in where Peekaboo Peekaboo Kansas. What where was this run? Pekin, Illinois. Pekin. Uh, oh yeah, Pekin. Yeah. Oh yeah, Pekin. I'm You've familiar with Pekin. It's near Peoria. Yeah. So, uh, it what was appealing about this particular race was it was a 10 mile loop that you run 20 times, which oh. again, a lot of people would say I don't understand why that's appealing, <laughs> but it's very appealing from a support standpoint because you can have crew. This is something like this is a team sport. It's not something you can go and do by yourself. But okay. your crew can stay stay place at one part, and certainly you can set up a tent and everything, and come in and then sleep right at that tent and then move on. Oh, okay, wow, all right. So so twenty twenty loops of ten over how long how long of a period of time might that take? Seventy two hours. So it was okay. a seventy two hour cutoff, and uh, I did have a chance to go to peek in and do a course preview, um, and had a chance to run with the the race director, and I asked him because the finish rate for this is not very strong. So last year, there were 32 people that signed up for the 200 miler, only four of them finished. Wow. Um, so so it's a, a, a high dropout rate. And he said, it's the time constraints. People get tired, they fall asleep, they don't wake back up. And- well, uh, Like ever? <laughs> right. It's the snoozer, man. The snoozer gets them and then they're just gone. Boom. That's like the, Na that's like the Navy SEALs of running. It's like uh, everybody just rings the bell and bails out. It's, yeah, yeah. So you've been training hard for that. We've been talking about that. That um, between between your regular job and the crazy cycle. I mean, I know my marathon runners have have intense time commitments getting ready to do that. I can't imagine. Um, and I know I think you're coming off of off of a weekend where you said you ran. How far did you say you ran in the course of uh, three days or something? Yeah, I ran 64 miles um, in three days, and okay. so I did. Uh, 16 four-mile runs, and for the week, I managed to get 96 miles in last week. So, I, I don't think I got 96 miles in in all of 2019. I'm just pretty <laughs> sure. All right, so, sure. so so here's here's what we wanted to do today. So um, we're talking about this leading oneself, and as I was talking about yep. wanting to talk about this topic, I thought about you, and I thought about this race, and I'm glad you you came in and and spent a little time back on on your podcast talking about this, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about is planning. So, yeah. you know, part of leading oneself and leading your life, you know, is is having a vision and having some plans in place, knowing where you're going as an individual so that so that you you have that fixed point in the in the distance to, you know, that orienting point, right? So that you can make decisions, I'm yep. thinking, that will get you ready to or just keep you on the path to that to that vision. What kind of long-term planning or preparation of your body or what do you need to do to start thinking about extreme running like this? I love the way you framed it up earlier about individual leadership really being focused about your own future self. And so, you know, when it was really, really cold out or really, really dark or raining and I didn't want to go out for a run, I just thought about Todd during the race and making sure that he was as prepared as possible to be able to mm. do that. The other part of the planning that really helped was back in the fall, back in September, I had a DNF and did not finish with a 100 mile race. 
And part of it was because of my over-reliance on running for training. I hadn't done much strength training, so I had a weakness discovered in my leg. And so I actually engaged in running coaches to help me do that planning and to be able to build up that weakness. So that was a big part of realizing I didn't have to do all the plan myself. I was able to tap into expertise uh, from some others to really be able to go after that. I think you also, yeah, so you were, you were experiencing some pain and, and I liked how you, you know, you didn't just wait for it to go away. I mean, you, you like paid people to do certain treatments on it. So, <laughs> take mean, it away I, for me. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> you have like experts that, that know how know about running and running injuries and you engage them because you, you knew this thing was coming in April and you go, I got to get, yeah. I got to get this healed, right? I got to get this healed in my life right now so that I can prepare for April. Sure. Well, I, you know, I think making sure that you've got confidence in the team that you work with and, that, you know, this gets back to the leadership piece of it. So I had that pain back in the fall, but as I was ramping up training in January and really in February, I was experiencing more pain. And while I'm out there running and, and trying to process through the pain that was happening in my shin, actually, in this situation, I was like, okay, I got this. I have, I have two running coaches. They work together. It's kind of a team approach on it. I have two chiropractors who deal with yeah. different parts of pain that I go with. And I have a medical doctor who is a runner who helps me a great deal with my leg. And so I was like, I'm going to get this figured out, but I'm not going to sit and wait to see if it gets better. As soon as I got back, I immediately got on it. And I think I was messaging with you when I was starting to have some of this shin pain. I was like, I got to change my diet immediately. Like I've known that for a really long time. But it was really the standpoint of the urgency of this race coming on me. I was yeah. like, I got to get better about not eating as much food that causes inflammation. Yeah, that's a no, that's a really good point. So I think the the main point that I was thinking about in this that really just became obvious as you we as you were talking is that if you have a goal in your life, if you have a vision that you want to become something, you have to heal what's broken now. You yeah. have to pay attention to the healing that's necessary in your life right now. And that could be, not to get too deep, that could be an emotional healing mm -hmm. issue. That could be a physical healing issue, like in your case, and you know, in this example, it could be getting rid of an addiction or something that's damaging, you know, your ability to, to become what you need to be. You don't just wake up one day and go next weekend, I'm going to go run a 200 miler. Yeah. Right. I mean, just like a marathon, for, but on steroids, right? You can't literally probably on steroids. That probably would help me with some of my knee pain steroids. But anyway. Well, Jeff, um, I, that, that's such an important part to think about. Yeah. Heal yourself early and and to heal. It, it's the the airplane flying on a charted course analogy that if you're just one degree off at the beginning, you're, you'll never hit the target. Yeah. And so, you know, this is the kind of thing where you've got to address those little things to get back on course as quickly as you can. That's good, that's really good. And so one of the things that that then kind of le leads me to is this idea of daily discipline, you know, these yeah. daily choices. And I don't know if this makes sense or not, but um, I'm not, and I'm not very good at this, but starting this year, I started to think about things like this. When I make a decision about how to spend my time or what I'm going to eat or what I'm going to drink, I try to ask myself this question, is this going to help me get to where I want to be as a person or a, to reach a goal of some sort, or is this going to hurt me? You know, most things aren't neutral if you think about it, right? And so yeah. sometimes you can, you can take that a little bit to extremes, but but there are times when I'm like, okay, is, is ordering two Whoppers instead of one Whopper going to help me? Or should I just stick with one Whopper? Does that make sense? <laughs> it does make sense. You may want to think about the one Whopper even too. <laughs> the, uh, 
lesser of two evils, I guess. Yeah, I've probably shared this with you some point over the time of when we've known each other, but one of my favorite tweets, and this goes way, way back, like eight, nine years ago, John Roderick, the musician, talked about the fact that he was out of coffee filters. He, he said this very succinctly, I'm out of coffee filters, but if I have to leave the house to go get coffee filters, I may as well just go to the coffee shop and get a coffee. <laughs> Getting coffee filters only helps future John. Screw him. Um, and and so, but it crystallized so perfectly yeah. exactly that point of do we consider future Jeff in our decisions today, and how do we do a better job of doing that? And it's become yeah. kind of a fun joke with myself, like, oh, don't screw future Todd. Like, like yeah. I'm here no knowing how past Todd screwed me now. Yeah. Do not let today's Todd screw future Todd. You don't be you don't do something as as vigorous or rigorous, I guess is the word. Um, as a, as a long distance run or really any other stretch goal that you have without intentionality in the small things, right? I mean, intentionality about making those choices. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you don't feel like running today. Is that gonna help you or hurt you towards your goal? Right. You know, so I can imagine that when it's, you know, 10 degrees over the winter, it's, it, might've been, it might've been tempting to just be like, you know what, it's sleeting and raining. I probably slip and hurt myself, I'm gonna skip it. Right. One of the things that's been very helpful on this journey, because it kind of has helped me take to the next level, is that discipline of how you overcome those obstacles of how you get going in those situations. So to me, it manifests itself in two ways. One, I've been doing strength training. I've been going to a class that starts at 5 a.m. And uh, <laughs> as I uh, go to these 5 a.m. classes, and I've, been, and I've been going to five strength training classes in a week now, but I have to be up at 3.30 to yeah. get my stuff together to be able to be at that class at 5.00. The way I do that is everything is done the night before. Like my yeah. breakfast is ready to go. My clothes are laid out. Because if uh, I had those obstacles in the morning, there's no way it would flow as quickly as it does. I think I would sleep in my workout clothes. It's just like, <laughs> just roll out of bed, put on the shoes. Or maybe sleep so, with the shoes. So the other, this and this gets into my superpower well on it too. But most of my runs are at night. So I come home from work. And I do the Mr. Rogers thing. I immediately put on my workout clothes, even though I yeah. know I'm going to have something to eat. Yeah. Sometimes even grab a quick nap before I go out. But yeah. like I'm in my workout clothes. Eventually, I'm going to get out the door and get running. That makes sense. So you're you're taking that decision that decision point out. But if you put on your regular yeah. clothes, because I know you look great at work. You wear the tie and you got this like the vest with the gold chain. You got all that going. You come home and you <laughs> you got a choice. I can go. I can put in my jeans and t-shirt, or I can put right on my book my workout clothes. And then you're halfway right, exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah, this reminds right. me a little bit of the, you know, James Clear. But have you ever re read any James Clear stuff? He wrote that book. I Atomic have. Read. Yes, love him. Um, if you haven't read James Clear, I highly recommend Atomic Habits, and then get on his weekly newsletter, which is called, I think it's a three two one newsletter. He gets he sends yep. it every Thursday. It's, it's a ten minute read. It's the best thing I get every week. Anyway, um, James, um, I'm sure you're a listener, so you know you're welcome. <laughs> Some of his quotes have been from you. <laughs> it's three thoughts, two quotes, and one question. And I, I think I've seen some Jeff DeWolf quotes in there. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. He, you know, he, it's like Mahatma Gandhi, Jeff DeWolf, and like Ronald Reagan. I, I mean, it's just yeah, Churchill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So the last thing I wanted to, to ask you about in, is this, this idea of the runner's community. Mm -hmm. I got to experience this when I went, I went up to your, your uh, Thursday night run in the woods with your gang. And it was a blast. I only did it once, but I was struck by the the community aspect of running. Is is that an important element of getting you ready 
both in preparation and in completing any kind of long run like this? Oh yeah. It, it, what what I love about this is it is so much a team sport. I'm I'm engaged in a little competition uh, where I'm challenged 12 of my friends, one for each month to see who can run the greatest distance. And this weekend when I was doing that 64 uh, miles, I was I was logging every four miles on the Strava app, and the person I was competing against was cheering me on, but at the same time going right back out to do more runs himself because he knew <laughs> I was clocking up against him. And so it's that friendly competitiveness, but yet cooperative cheering right. that we're impressed with what each other can do and really try to challenge each other to keep going. So I love that about the community. You talked about this, I think in the summer, you, you did something over the weekend and people in your community weren't even running. It was, I don't one of your other, one of your crazy personal self challenges in and you said that people literally, you never ran alone. Like you were doing whatever that little yeah, loop yeah, was. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was up in Wyandotte County Lake Park. And yeah. uh, that particular challenge was to to do 12, or that was to do 10 hours um, just to keep going. And so I just posted that I'm going to be out there running for 10 hours. Here's where I'm going to be running. And people just showed up. In fact, one woman showed up with uh, her kids and had pizza. And like, she wasn't going to run. She just brought us some food to eat. It is, I mean, it is a really wonderful community. So even though you don't run, you like you just they just would carve out an hour or two from their Saturday and just go and cheer you on. Yeah, yeah. And so I, that 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 idea of community, uh, maybe even accountability, knowing you've got a running partner waiting for you at 5 a.m. or whatever it is. And I yeah. got a sense of it just experiencing your community a little bit this this past summer. So so this race that we had coming up, there were three of us going to run. Literally, we had 10 people that were willing to come and crew and pace us at different parts of that. Wow. So 10 people willing to give up four days, travel on their own nickel and dime to come support us in this race. That wasn't hard to get. It wasn't like we had to beg these people. We just asked and they were like, yeah, I'm in. You meet runners from other places and they say, oh, I wish I had a community like that. Part of it is like, well, then start a community like that. Yeah. So there's there's parts about that, about find one person and start cheering them on and start yeah. building that excitement around it and then find two more people and then get them excited about it. Um, yeah. So there is a bit of luck, but man, there's it's a lot of nurturing and farming of the community to make sure that it stays that positive and that encouraging. You know, I just that that really reminded me. I think when it comes to leadership, that that's such a big part of it. It's it's the community. Um, so if you are a leader, you need to be among other leaders. You need to you need to have people you can confide in that you can go and you can get advice from that that are there for you, right? That you can let down your guard a little and and get that support. But but even if you're not leading people, I think that's that's what we need also as individuals. We're trying to lead our own lives. You know, trying to set goals for ourselves and and set goals for future Todd, right? Like I right. always set goals for future Todd. You don't know it. I'm setting goals for you. No, but so you you get my point though. I mean that that not isolating, trying to avoid the temptation to isolate, to be by yourself too much. I mean, open up and let people in. Let people know what your goals are, so they can they can help cheer you on. They can help support you. Well, and I I I like this notion too because in the same way I can either. I mean, it's the deposit or withdraw. I can either make a deposit in future Todd or a withdraw in future Todd. I can do that same thing with my community, right? So I, what am I doing to add value to the community, both today mm -hmm. and in the future, versus what am I doing that's taking away from that community? Oh, crap, that was Hell's Bells. You remember Hell's Bells, don't you? I, I do remember Hell's Bells. Anyway, so as you know, listeners, uh, Hell's Bells tells us that we've been talking long enough, and I think we've been having a good time. And when Hell's Bells rings, I'm doing the three points to remember, five questions to ask yourself, and one action. 
we won't do three, five, and one. We'll just do one or two. All right. So when it comes to one thing to keep in mind is your leading future self. And if future self is is got a big goal, whether it's a 200-mile run or anything else kind of in, in your life that you, you want to accomplish, what's one thing that you would think about in order to, to be successful? Make it a team sport. What, what, what can you do to enlist others? And so there's experts that are going to help you with that. There's cheerleaders that are going to help you with that. Think about it. Part of, part of the difficulty of me focusing on the running was to have to give up the part of the podcast with that. So I leaned on you to say, hey, you know, you got to pick this part of it up. And so not being afraid to ask for what you need and use that help and assume that others are willing to help you and want to help you in that situation. So that'd be my one big point. Awesome. Awesome. So let's move to questions. So what, what oh, wait, you're not going to share one? No, no, man. This is about you. I, I, my, all my goals have been accomplished. No. <laughs> um, all right. So what question can could, could we ask ourselves today to see if we're on track to um, to leading ourselves well? Yeah, that one's real simple. There's, what, how does this impact future, Todd? And so, um, you know, just playing that out in your mind. And so if it is that second whopper, then you're like, well, how is this going to impact future Todd? Well, He's going to feel bloated in about three hours. He's going to regret this tomorrow. He's going to be heavier on the scale a week from now. So all that plays out. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. I think the the question I would add to that is ask yourself this question. Is what I'm about to do going to advance me toward my goals or or move me away from them? Right. Right. So that's kind of a simple way of looking at it as well. All right. All right. So one, one action, one action to take today so that my desired future is the way I want it to be. Well, this is this is very James Clear too, um, but I, I just think it's very helpful to determine your next step before you get to your next step. To me, it you know it's getting those workout clothes laid out before you go to bed. I think it was Hemingway. It was some famous writer who, when they were writing at the end of the day, they wrote half a sentence so that when they came in the next day, they weren't staring at a blank page. They just had to finish that sentence and get into it. And so anything you can do to prime the pump in that sense and get done what you can now so that the starting yeah. of it is super easy, I think is a big step forward. I love that. That's a, that's a great one. That's a great one thing. And since it's our podcast, we can break the rules. I'll, I'll throw one out there too. Excellent. If you don't have a goal, go ahead and set one. Yeah. If you don't have a vision, if you don't if, if you don't have something interesting, something big, something you want to learn, something you want to do at some point in the future, then pick something. You know, if you don't have the destination, it doesn't have to be something crazy, but if you don't have the destination, if you don't have something fix, a fixed point in the future upon which to focus, we're going to we're going to be aimless. You know, my my wife, she always butchers all of the clichés and combines them with other clichés and metaphors and stuff, but she says something like you know if you if you don't have a goal you'll miss it every time yeah whatever the it's not the real saying but you know you know i'm trying to get at well and and having the goal and chasing it is more important than actually achieving it and um in the running community and i already mentioned this a dnf did not finish so you start a race but you end up not finishing it a dns is you didn't even start the race and Mm, i like it a, a dnf is far better than a dns um, and so just making sure that you start it and you go after it is better than if, even if you didn't finish it. I think I have the most DNSs of any runner. <laughs> I probably have the record for the number of times I've laid my running clothes out in the morning and then not gotten into them. 
More DNFs, less DNSs. I like it. Okay, that's the theme. More DNFs, less DNSs. So with that, I better wrap up. I'm going to close with the, the one thing I've been telling people all season, and that is, remember, you can break the cycle of bad bossing if you adopt a mindset and skill set of real-life leadership. Talk to you later, Todd. See you, Jeff.